65th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm on your co-host. My name's Brandon Schauen. Joining me today, we have Mark Nadu and a returning Ash Collins. Mark, how the hell are you? Good. I'm just trying to multitask right now. Um, I'm a little uh, behind from work here. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to talk to you guys and also give myself a special haircut. <laughs> I hope that turns out well. I just jammed. <laughs> oh my god and ash did you have a nice week off yes i did excellent how you feeling tonight i am fantastic more or less <laughs> right yeah obviously I, i'm a little worried yeah I, i'm a little worried about mark i just it's been a while and it feels like you know uh in a month of madness where if you peer inside it's complete darkness, you might not be the same again. So I'm trying to clear a path or at least a runway strip. <laughs> trying not to hit any meat on the bone, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you trying to do that on your head or your other head? <laughs> I, oh, well, I don't have a mirror. <laughs> oh my god. That's fine. I'm right back. <laughs> oh well today we are continuing continuing our trek through the entire directorial career of rob zombie reviewing the 2012 film the lords of salem we're also going to move on to round two of our best thing the backlog challenge at the end of this show so look forward to that so as always just a reminder you can interact with us with us in a few different ways you can find us on twitter at cinefessions you can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And finally, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love comments, questions, corrections, concerns, whatever it is. We love hearing from you. So please reach out to us using any of those three aforementioned services. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cinefessions and check out our long list of past reviews and podcasts at cinefessions.com. So one final reminder, we have that contest still going on right now. All you have to do to enter to win the Blu-ray copy of Sex World from Vinegar Syndrome is email us at contact at cinefessions.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-302-448-TALK with the name of a writer or director whose career you'd like to hear us discuss on a future podcast arc and maybe a short reason why you're suggesting them. That always is nice. And then you're entered to win Sex World on Blu-ray from Vin Vinegar Syndrome. That's it. It doesn't get much easier than that to win a free kick-ass Blu-ray. So definitely enter. We'll be picking a winner on next week's podcast. And actually... Uh, a word of note, there will not be a podcast next week. I misspoke. It'll be actually in two weeks because of the fact that the final film in our Rob Zombie arc, 31, it had a limited theatrical release last week that uh, we weren't able to attend, unfortunately. And it is actually coming out on VOD, so video on demand, September 16th. So we are taking next week off and we will be back the following week to wrap up the Rob Zombie arc with a review of 31. So just keep that in mind. So you have two weeks to send us those emails and those voicemails. So make sure you do it. Anything else to add in, gentlemen, before we jump over to the question of the week? Um, I'm accepting donations so that I don't have to pay for the VOD of 31. Um, from what <laughs> I've uh, read so far, um, yeah. I'd rather not use my own money to watch this movie. <laughs> uh, but for the greater good, I will sit right. down and view it. Um, again, donations welcome. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I from what I've read, it's going to be uh, a hoot. Yeah, you know, I have read a lot of negative wait, things. Wait, wait, about wait. It, it's not worse than El Super Beast, though, right? Um, I would doubt it, but I don't know. Speaking of. What were your thoughts on El Super Beast, though, real quick before we dive in to this week's show? Um, okay, just as a, a preface, my wife <laughs> came in for the last 10 minutes of that movie. <laughs> That's and she, she threatened to divorce me. <laughs> I, didn't I had to tell her that, we look, it's almost done. Look, you know, the runtime here is here. She's like, yeah, this is awful. My ears are bleeding. <laughs> Oh, and she looked at the screen and their eyes started bleeding. So, you know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm sending you the medical bills, by the way. <laughs> That's fine. That's uh, what our um, non-existent Patreon page is for, is things like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so but, yeah uh, that one no. was, not, uh, was not a fan of... Uh, we weren't a big fan of that one either, I guess I'd say. Yeah, it... I could see where he was trying to go with it, mm -hmm. but it just, it was supposed to be funny and it wasn't. I was just, ugh. like, even when I was 13, I would have been like, ugh, this is just not funny. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, so yeah. just for completion's sake, what did you give El Superbisto out of four stars? Uh, if I could give it a zero, I would. I, I give it a half a star. All right. That's I was exactly what I did. Yeah. What'd you say, Mark? I'm sorry. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. A star yeah. just to show that I saw it. <laughs> wow. So just to clarify, that means that El Super Bisto got an average rating of 0.83 stars from the Cinefestus uh, You gave it a one? I gave it a 1.5. Uh, what? It made me laugh at some points. Like I mentioned, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't love it, but it wasn't the worst I, thing I've ever. I've taken shits that make me laugh a few times, but <laughs> I, I don't rate them a one and a half. <laughs> oh, you might need to reevaluate, reevaluate your shit star rating then. Because <laughs> Do you have any videos on those shits? I'd like to see. <laughs> Oh my god. All right, so let's move over to the question of the week. So <laughs> let's try to save this before it gets even weirder. Um that's not possible. I feel like everyone has to have a film that fits into this category. So I I'm gonna take a stab this week. What is the best movie you've only seen once? Or in other words, what is one of your favorite films that you've only actually want watched one time? Oh wow. That's a good question. Um, actually, uh, it came out while I was still in high school. Uh, Steven Spielberg directed it. It was all in black and white. Um, it was, uh, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Oh. Yeah. That <laughs> was, was in high school. <laughs> yeah. Huh? No, it um, was, I, I was in high school when it came out. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, it's an amazing film. Mm -hmm. Uh, a, 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 he is powerful, strong. Once was enough. I, I don't think, you know, I, I have never had an urge to watch it again, you know, after watching it the first time, but if, you know, it's worth watching if you haven't seen it. But, yeah, yeah, it's actually one I've only, I, I absolutely love and have only seen once as well. So that's interesting. And Mark, while you're thinking, I, I'll, I'll say mine. Yeah, um, I, I'd have to go with uh, The Big Lebowski. 
Um, I actually watched it. Only, I've only seen it once, and I only watched it maybe five within the past five years. Here, uh, it just hit me like in all the right spots I, the first time I watched it, and I've I've owned it since then. But I still just for whatever reason I haven't put it back on. But I definitely consider it one of the the best films I've only seen once. It's hysterical, and I love it. I I really want to watch it like a hundred times more. I just haven't gotten around to it. So for me, it would have to be The Big Lebowski. Uh, for me, a movie I really enjoyed, I've only seen once, um, and I've mentioned it to someone in the past, um, The Guest. I thought it was fantastic. It's a recent favorite. I've only had the chance to watch it the one time so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a few people on Twitter were hit, uh, hitting you up, talking about how much they liked it as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the parameters are so small, seeing, it, seeing that you've only seen it the one time, and yeah. Right. Uh, you know what? Another one, really quickly, watched recently, Cheap Thrills. I've only oh, watched it the okay. one time. Loved it. Um, yeah, those would be my two picks. Uh, equally fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, both both going. I have not actually seen uh, either of them, but I've heard nothing but good things about them, mostly from you. So, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I champion a film, I will talk to death about it. Right. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but no, not at all. that's a question this week, so those are my answers. Absolutely. No, it's great. Great answers. Awesome. So, Ash, what have you done the past couple of weeks in the world of media or otherwise? And taking funny shits. <laughs> oh, no. They they haven't been amusing. But. <laughs> um, let's see. I have been... I've been busy. I finished up Gotham. Uh, the Well, the season that's on Netflix, anyway. I've been watching Law and Order Special Victims Unit, the newest season that's on Netflix. That's um, probably my favorite of the Law and Orders. I love SVU. See, I liked Criminal Intent, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, SVU's gotten better. I will give mm-hmm. it that. Uh, for the longest time, I could predict an episode by who was investigating the case, and it was just like... <laughs> uh, it's like if Stabler's on the case, he's going to find something, he's going to get really pissed off, it's going to push him to the breaking point, and then they're going to arrest the right perp. Right. And it's just like, yeah, I like Briscoe on the original. He was my fave. Um, yeah, so I finished up Gotham, and we've been watching Law & Order SVU. And, uh, I watched what we had for this week, and I also watched uh, my pick, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ooh, that's right, and I cannot wait to discuss that. Yeah, at the so, end of the show here today. Yeah, awesome. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's been busy. I haven't had yeah. a lot of time to do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, myself, it's just been it's madden or bust at this point, man. I finished uh, my third season with my well, actually the second season with my Portland Snowhawks, but third season overall. I ended up uh winning the Super Bowl again and uh yeah, so that was that was awesome. Um we also started watching Alien in my home theater for the first time. And it just, man, it looked fucking brilliant. It's such a great film. And uh, we ended up only watching about half of it. We got to like the first kill, or I guess it'd technically be the second kill. And um, we ended up calling it a night and I haven't, we haven't sat down to finish it yet, but I'm definitely hoping to do that very soon because it just looks so damn good in my uh, 120 inch projector in my basement. And I mean, that's likely as big as a, a screen as I'll ever get to watch it on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, uh, I, the, the, you're watching the, the Blu-ray, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, the, the Blu-ray transfers on that are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm excited to watch Aliens afterwards because I haven't uh, haven't seen it in so long. But man, 
It looks great. So definitely, if you have not picked up that Alien Quadrilogy uh, Blu-ray set, you are doing yourself a disservice if you're a fan of those films. Because and they're so cheap now. They, it really is, yeah. Like, there's no reason not to own, like, there's no reason to buy the, the singles. Get mm-hmm. the whole set. Right. Yep. Because you get, like, the different versions of the film as well. I think the the releases that come separate, I think they're the exact same discs. But just buy the set. The packaging is awesome that it comes in as well. Yes, so, I mean, yeah, it's definitely the worth packaging it. is really well done. I was pleased. Yeah, I yeah. bought the set on DVD, I think, for 80 bucks Canadian back in Ooh. the day. And then I rebought wow. it again on Blu-ray for, like, 29 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes no sense. Right. But, yeah. Um, one thing I got to mention, I think I've mentioned this before. I don't know what it is. I love my Xbox One. But something about the Blu-ray player in the Xbox One, it just, like, it did it during Alien. It just, like the sound would pause, but the movie would continue. And then finally the sound would catch up a couple seconds later. Really? And then it did the exact same thing today when I was watching, uh, we are still here. Like, I don't know what has, I'd love to hear from our listeners if they've had any problems specifically with their Xbox one Blu-ray player, just having this weird hiccup in it. It happens like once throughout the film, that's it. But I don't understand why it happens every movie I watch anymore. You know, it's funny you mentioned hiccups because I play my Blu-rays, uh, usually on my PS4 and recently, my PS4 has been been able to be uh, has been able to read the discs, so I had to oh. pop in pop them into my PS3. PS3, no problem. That's PS4 weird. getting kind of sketchy, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be on the Fritz soon, yeah. or if it's just the disc itself. Obviously, it's not the it's the PS the PS2 is reading it, but right. it's with a few titles now from different companies where it's been happening. So uh, I don't know if it's a have a, you have you updated your firmware recently? It's it's automatic. I know my hard drive is almost full, but uh, yeah, it's an automatic, uh, uh, you know, um, whenever it uh, the new, uh, you know, uh, right. versions pop up. Sorry, I don't have the words in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> it it automatic, automatically ups, updates. Holy fuck, and I stutter more. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I know what you mean. We all Can know we add mean. this out, please? Yeah. <laughs> fuck no. Okay. Oh, man. But all yeah, right. like my, uh, my PS3... It uh, probably about a year ago now, maybe even a couple, the Blu-ray player just virtually stopped. And really? so I had to buy another PS3. I keep I keep the one that doesn't read Blu-rays because it reads DVDs fine. Okay. And it's a backwards compatible PS3. Ah, uh, one of those early ones. One I, yeah, very early one. And so uh, the Blu-ray part doesn't work and it doesn't read PS3 games, but it reads PS2. So I use it as a PS2 and a DVD player in my bedroom. Um, but my PS3 in the basement still reads Blu-rays fine. But yeah, I got, I, got one of those, I got one of those fat PS3s, not the new, the newer slim ones. Yeah, I got one and, of each now. And this one plays my 3D uh, Blu-rays as well. So, yeah, it's at a point where I'm just using my PS3. It's at a point where I'm using my PS3 now more than my PS4. Like, I'm not even gaming right now because I'm so uninterested because I've yeah. got fever. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not touching my PS4 to game right now. Me either. Uh, I, it's all about the Xbox One for me right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm waiting for for Telltale to finish the Batman game that they're working on. Yeah, because you know, they release them in episodes. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, November they're going to start releasing season three of their Walking Dead, and I yeah that that's we're playing that one right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I've heard really good things about the Batman, um, and I've only played probably about halfway through the first chapter of Walking Dead. I need to go back and finish that one. Oh, that's oh, the first season's I've... fantastic. Yeah. And the second one's not bad. The second one mm-hmm. they do a lot of interesting things with, but yeah. 
Another thing I actually picked up this past week that I forgot about was uh, I picked up Resident Evil 4 on Xbox One, that remaster. Well, it's not a remaster, I guess. It's just a re-release of the PS3 remaster, but it was only 20 bucks, and I bought it with my Gamers Club discount at Best Buy, so I paid like 15 bucks for it. So Wasn't the PS3 remaster a remaster of the GameCube version? Uh, I believe it was, but I can't say 100%. So so wait, so you're playing it on an Xbox One after it's been remastered through two different game systems. Yeah, yeah, and I've owned it for multiple systems, still have not played it, but now I own an <laughs> Xbox One. So. How does it yeah. play on the P- on your Xbox One? I couldn't tell you, it's sitting in a package. Oh. It's all about, I rented a video game, and, I didn't, and I'm returning it tomorrow without even playing it, because it's not Madden, and that's just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just obsessed. So Speaking of Madden, okay, yeah. so we have a, um, a, uh... A survivor pool at work and oh okay uh, um i haven't made my week one pick yet because yeah they're all uh, everything screams mediocrity to me do we have any <laughs> anyone that's favored in week one of the nfl oh man i don't even know i haven't looked at the schedule at all i don't even i, know I go with the uh, portland lovebirds <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, our oh, workplace man. put up a grill and uh, uh, for first place, so nice. You could go too. Yeah, yeah. I look oh. like the Joker. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> Do the Lions, man? Get that pick out because you you can only pick one team once, right? And that yeah, but who are the the Lions are playing? Who Dallas first? No. no? Um, I, I don't know. I'll tell you, in a second. I can't remember offhand, but I remember reading about how the first few weeks look really good for the lions so yeah well and that and that's the thing is you can only pick a team once lions are playing the yep. colts so i wouldn't i probably pick the colts over the lions yeah i wouldn't take the lions week one if you want a lock um i'd probably go saints raiders but then again you can play the saints once but they're going to be the raiders we hope <laughs> or, or even like Packers Jaguars. Obviously, the Jaguars are going to lose. But then again, you want to wait the Packers on a gimme for week one. You know, yeah. everybody's going to pick the Packers. Yeah, Ugh, it's hard. Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I was going through and I I went wrote down all the home teams. You know, all the all the teams that are at home, and mm-hmm. I'm looking through the list, and I'm like, not a single one of these teams would I say has an advantage. <laughs> if you want to go ballsy week one, I'd go 49ers over the Rams on Monday night. Oh, God, that's going to be a shit fest. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a tough one there. Just I honestly, go. you know what? NFL doesn't really matter right now because the World Cup of Hockey starts on uh, Thursday. Yeah, it's it's the right. pre-tournament stuff. Hockey is back, and everybody north of the border is excited. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I I reposted on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it's I well maybe I posted it on Facebook. I I can't remember anymore. But uh, it's like it's always great seeing a Canadian born, and it shows this ice patch with a hole in it. And this dude <laughs> in nothing but his boxer shorts climbs out of the ice hole, covered in soak. He's soaking wet in water, and he has ice skates and a hockey stick on. <laughs> he That's drops awesome. the puck and then skates away in his underwear. Oh, <laughs> it's a rite of passage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Take uh, take Pittsburgh over Washington on Monday night. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You mean the uh, Washington Football Club? <laughs> Washington FC? <laughs> oh, man. Washington shit stains? Oh, I mean. 
Yeah. Uh, God, well, let, let us know who you pick next week. Or yeah. Next podcast. I keep I keep messing up. So used to next week, but I might go Pittsburgh. Get them out of the way. Then I yeah. Yeah. And then if you lose, you you're gonna get mad at me. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing is, like you know, I I was. <laughs> yeah, I, my wife says if I lose, you can always buy me the grill. <laughs> I'll buy you the back molars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, what about you, uh, Mark? What did you do this past week? Um, watched a few films. Oh shit! My pizza's here. Stand by one. Pizza. I'm, put you on hold. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm muting. Stand by. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Pizza's beside me. Uh, ready to go with what I did this week in media. Um, I watched a few movies. Uh, one, two good, one bad. Um, I'm uh, I rewatched Night of the Comet with Melissa, uh, just because one she had never seen it, and two, uh, Sharon Farrell who plays Doris in the movie. That's the mother that Dex Kelly Maroney. <laughs> I pretty much uppercuts her. Uh, at the beginning of the film, uh, she's going to be at Wasteland, and I've got a signed poster by Kelly uh, Maroney already, so I'm going to get my poster signed, so I thought I'd uh, show Melissa the movie first before awesome. she uh, goes there. She liked it a lot. To me, it's one of my favorites. I did kind of realize it gets a little slow at one part while they're in the um, radio station. I just felt kind of dragged a bit, but that is a small gripe on the film. Uh, great cast, great 80s action. Love it. Um, I also watched The Quiet Ones on Netflix. That was actually just two nights ago, I believe. And, uh, have you guys seen that film at all? The Quiet Ones? No. It's, it's, I guess, Hammer Trade to rebuild their, um, label, right? From films. And I think this was the first one from the company. Um, it stars Jared Harris, if you remember, was one of the villains in the early seasons of Fringe. So great actor. Yeah, Ash uh, would know that. He's a Fringe fanatic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fringe is awesome. Um, great film, or probably great actor, but horrible film. Semi uh, found footage, semi possession film. Uh, didn't really go anywhere for me. I hated the ending. Actually, I hated most of the film apart from Jared Harris, but even he played a creepy professor. Um, so, not much to like about it apart from him, just in general. So, I would pass on that. But the thing I am most happy that I saw this week, it played one last time at uh, the Mayfair Theater, my local uh, indie theater, Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay. Uh, the director is uh, Taika Waititi. He was the 18th century vampire in What We Do in the Shadows. Hmm. You guys know who that is? No, I've not <laughs> seen that one yet. Are you serious? Oh yeah. my god, dude! That film is. Oh, wait, is that the one with Sam Neill in it? Sam Neill? Yeah, is he in that one, or am I confusing that with a different movie? Yeah, the guy from, uh, uh, I think Jeremy Clement, the guy from um, uh, Flight of the Concord, is in it. I got nothing. Really? Oh my god, dude! Guys, fantastic <laughs> movie. What we do in the shadows? It's 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 kind of like a mockumentary where this film crew films these four vampires who share a flat together. Oh, yeah, I've I, seen I've seen that on Tumblr, but I haven't. Yeah, oh, you haven't. You've talked about it in the past. I just, yes. I don't own it. And so I've never gotten oh, around to watching I it. I believe it's on Netflix. It's a must watch. It is so funny. Like, it is hilarious. Um, so uh, Taika, and I'm probably butchering his, um, his pronunciation of his name. 
Um, he directed this film uh, out of New Zealand. Uh, it's another home run. Stars. Oh, yeah. Sa- that is the one with Sam yes. Neill. Yeah. This, yeah, this one is with Sam Neill. The other one obviously was not. This one is with Sam Neill. It stars him, um, Julian Dennison, which I think it's his first film role, and Tima de Wita. Nope. Who I believe been in a couple movies. Oh, has he? Okay, well, I'm not familiar with him. But uh, Rima uh, Tawita, she is, uh, to me, is best known as the mom from the movie Housebound. Oh, okay. okay. Which is like the better version of The Boy that came out earlier, that came out uh, this year in the theaters. But yeah. uh, Housebound is, I think, a year or two older. Um, so pretty much, uh, Julian Dennison, he plays Ricky, and he's a foster kid. It keeps getting shuffling from house to house to house. He finally finds a place where they want him. Um, something happens, and then he goes on the run uh, into the bush. And Sam Neill's character, Heck, um, follows him. Again, not going into too many details. Mm-hmm. It is a fantastic film. Uh, both me and Melissa, we had a smile on our face the whole time. Um, what genre is this? <sighs> well, IMDb says action-adventure, uh, mm. action-comedy-drama. Okay. That's probably the easiest way to, uh, to describe it. Hmm. Adventure film, funny, but also it's dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more funny uh, more funny than it is serious, but it does have serious tones to it. It's a must-watch. I gave it five stars. I loved it. Nice. Um, I find New Zealand cinema right now is really hitting it out of the park. And this is just another um, showing of how strong their uh their homegrown cinema is. Um, so to me, that's a total recommendation. Again, it's called hunt for the wilder people. It's, uh, it's probably hitting the indie theaters right now. I don't know if there's a blue release of it yet, um, but whenever it does get released, uh, I'm easily going to pick it up. That's it's, it's, it's a no brainer. It's fantastic. I will watch this again. Awesome. Um, so like- movie wise, that's pretty much it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am watching on Netflix Lady Dynamite. I'm not sure if I mentioned this with you guys or not. Um, it's I don't recall. A, yeah, it's a Netflix show by oh shit, what's her name? Uh, it's it's a it's a comedic show. Ah, shit, let me. Uh, oh, I think you did mention. Uh, did I, she's did actually mention, a comic, right? Yeah, it's a comic. Uh, fuck what? Oh, Mira Bamford. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I watched a few more episodes of that. I'm really enjoying it now. Um, still working on season five of, uh, Supernatural and, uh, I'm going to stop talking since obviously I'm running out of energy and I can't find of any words. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. I'm going to have a bite of pizza. That, I was going to say that pizza staring you down. Uh, it smells good, right? It, it's del- it looks, looks and smells delicious. Yes. Yeah, man, you should, oh, <laughs> good oh fantastic. All right. So let's move over to the. Continue the Rob Zombie directorial arc with our review of The Lords of Salem from 2012. There will be spoilers for this film, as there always are in these discussions, so keep that in mind. If you have not seen The Lords of Salem, this is your only warning that there will be spoilers for this film. All right, so Lords of Salem, obviously written and directed by Rob Zombie, has an IMDb score of 5.1 out of the 20,556 current votes has a Metacritic score of 57, a tomato meter of 44%, and an audience score of 30%, which I believe that's the first time that the critic score was actually higher than the audience score, at, if not since we started doing these, at least for this arc. 
It had a $2.5 million budget and only $1.1 million gross, which I think is interesting because, Mark, you hadn't you didn't realize that 31 was a, a crowdsourced film, a crowdfunded film, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, I um, had no idea. Yeah, and you were talking about how his films make money. Well, it's interesting because this one actually, at least at the box office, did not make its budget back. So I'm wondering if that has anything to do with the fact that 31 – that he had to turn to crowdfunding for it. it I don't be, know. But. Yeah, it has to be. I had no clue this movie. This movie made so little cash. Yeah, I know. I'm I was surprised. surprised, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I easily thought, you know, probably like a five or six mil. Because, again, this movie is more art house. Yeah, definitely. work, right? Yeah. So, Mark, what's your history with Lords of Salem? Um, I saw this when it was first released on Blu-ray. I didn't see this in the theaters. Okay. Um, I knew of it, you know, on, from online rumblings and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's not until like much later after the film got released where I finally picked it up and watched it. And this is the one you watched, what, maybe a month ago? Also again, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Prior to the arc, I had seen, watched it uh, because, and I'm following another podcast that does movies and they picked this one and The Witch. Oh, okay. So I wanted to re-familiarize myself with the Lords before I listened to the podcast again. So, Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Ash? What's your history with Lords of Salem? I had not seen it before I streamed it. Okay. Very good. Yeah, me either. Um, I don't know why I hadn't seen this one. I wanted to see it in theaters, never made it. I When it came out on Blu-ray, I was working at the movie store and I was buying everything. For some reason, I never, never bought it, never watched it, never rented it, never did anything. So here I am today watching it. For the first time. So that is my history with it. So, all right. So let's dive in here. Um, we don't get a, we don't get our typical introduction with this film as we did with a lot of his, uh, a lot of Rob Zombie's films before this, um, which I mean makes sense because it's, you know, it's not part of a series or anything like that. Though I did, I did read that Rob Zombie either called this or inferred that this could be kind of a spiritual, predecessor spiritual sequel or prequel rather to the halloween series have you guys heard that or or what do you what do you make of that does that seem like something that could be or does that seem ridiculous to you i don't know i don't see how they're related but okay yeah i agree i thought it was a a strange a strange uh, connection there but i think it just feels like an artist trying to connect his whole world together i guess yeah i other than the fact that cherry moon zombies in it um Mm -hmm not seeing it so we get the introduction here with the um, lost mark sorry i was muted no no you're fine (laughs) so Uh, stupid 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 (laughs) stupid for watching this movie i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) so with the introduction here we get the like the witch the the seance not the seance but the witch scene i don't know what the hell you want to call it and uh, I really like the the title sequence with the use of the goat. It's going and then you get that pause, which is something he's done a lot in the past. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of the left side of the screen has the Lords of Salem with the goat on the right side. I thought it was really simple. Um, but I don't know. I thought that was a really good title sequence, I guess. Um, the rest of that witch scene, though, it didn't really do anything for me. You mean with all the, the nudity and whatnot? No, I – well. You, you didn't enjoy the witch nudity? I mean, <laughs> I didn't, but that's not what I was referring to. I just meant like – <laughs> I don't know. The whole scene was just very strange, very stereotypical. What you think of as witches and yeah, to meh. me it was it was like a highbrow attempt to you know uh, show regular witches to like it was like an art house style witchery, I guess yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought that Mick Foster was wearing a suit. 
I didn't think she'd want to appear naked uh, oh. in, in in any film because I hadn't seen her naked in prior films, mm-hmm. and uh, I was sure that this was um, uh, a costume. But no, she was full frontal nudity in this oh. whole film. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just kind of surprised, just because like she was Evil Lynn and she was you know the villain in you know They Live. So for some reason, I didn't think that she would do that, but she did do it. And she sure showed a lot, so that takes that takes a lot of courage. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I only do full frontal from like the uh, waist down. I never <laughs> want my face in the same frame. Right. Yeah. Be in your room. You need like a hundred two inch projector if you want to have everything. <laughs> you do a lot of um, uh, like body double work from the waist down. I've heard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly calves. Right. Calves. I got good quads too. Yeah, well, good for you. Yeah, toe cleavage. Yeah, oh, well, obviously. Mm. One thing we do get a lot in this film, and, and make of it what you will, but you get a lot of naked ass. A ton yeah. of just naked asses. I, I don't know. I'm not sure why or what the point is, but it there's so much that it feels like Zombie may have been trying to do something with it. Well, I, I find there's just a lot of female form in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like there's tons of nudity, you know, when yeah. the women get enchanted at the end, you know, all shapes and sizes. It's just, you know, in in, in a way, it's, I guess, I don't want to say it's a celebration, um, but it's just not your it's, stereotypical, uh, you know, zombie film. You it's know? a very female-centric film. Yeah, it, it, it's empowering, really. Right. Yeah, the... It it so I think the the kind of the biggest thing that hit me with this film is that it does not feel like a Rob Zombie film, almost at all, aside from maybe the nudity. I don't know. Well, even the, that's the, the one type. the one part that I was like, ah, there it is. Was it wasn't even the radio shows or anything like that. It was when the three witches are sitting down and they're talking to Matthias. And she and then they they start they go, well, you're gonna fuck this and fuck that and. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yep, there's zombie dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And just the fact that, again, you know, it's a shared moon zombie vehicle and that, uh, you know, her boyfriend, really good friend, friend zone friend, whatever you want to call it, um, Herman Whitey. Yeah. Whitey. Looks like Rob Zombie. Like, you know. You know who uh, that guy was, though? I had to, I actually looked it up. Yeah. He's the guy who got killed in Halloween 2 behind the strip club. Oh, no. Yep. It gets better. It gets oh. better. He is the dude from the caveman commercials for Geico. No. <laughs> yes. Are you serious? Yes. That's and he was actually cast in the short-lived TV show. Oh my <laughs> god, that's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, he either. was one of the cavemen in the caveman commercial. I was like, I know that voice. Yeah. God, it was bugging <laughs> the crap out of me. So I looked it up. I'm like, holy shit, it's the caveman. That's but of course, funny. I spent the rest of the movie like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like, awesome. you save her? It's so easy. A caveman could do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, I had no idea. Oh, that's that's cool. Uh, you were talking about um, Sherry Moon Zombie. I thought uh, I really liked her character in this. I thought she was... She's playing a much different character than we've seen her play in the past. And I think she does a really good job with it. Uh, she like she seems heavier in this role um, well, right from the beginning. Yeah, I was I was really impressed and really surprised because, I mean, virtually everything that I found annoying about her in the past was was gone here, which I thought was awesome. 
Yeah, no, I thought, uh, I thought, you know, again, like Halloween, Halloween 2, their cameos, this is their first role that's more dramatic. Right. You know, like it's a horror film, but it's not a gory film, you know? No, not at all. Um, so she, she's really showing more of her acting chops. Right. But at the same time, she's playing, you know, a drugged out uh, DJ, you know, in the music industry, you know, mm-hmm. with the dread. So she still looks the rocker type. Like she's right. not, you know... Apart from maybe the longer hair, she's still in her kind of same stereotype. Like she would fit in a Rob Zombie music video, you know. She would yes. fit on stage with Zombie, you know. So more dramatic, but still like out of the same mold, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably just her, though. I mean, I don't know her at all, obviously. And I'm probably ridiculous for saying it, but I just feel like from everything I know of her, which are these movies, I feel like that's just who she is. Yeah. And I can imagine her being like that, you know, as as the wife of of Rob Zombie. I can just see that being the case. I would like to see her in a non-Rob Zombie film. Yeah, me too. I don't know yeah. if she's actually done one or not. I'm going to check that right now. But it'd be great to know. see her in something that her husband did not write for her. Well, um, she's in The Scissoring Part 2 as the Evil Queen. I have no fucking clue what that is. The Scissoring? Sounds kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it sounds... So it actually fun. looks like a uh, a ripoff of um, I Spit on Your Grave. Oh, okay. That's what it looks like. It's not a porn? No, no, apparently not. Apart from that, like she did some TV stuff, but yeah, it's mostly just uh, it's mostly his work. Interesting. Hmm. She, she did CSI Miami back in 2010. Okay. Fornication once, but everything else is uh, it's all him. Hmm, not true. She was in the Toolbox Murders. Oh, I, I don't remember horrible. her in the Toolbox Murders. I think she played like an apartment attendant or apartment uh, renter. Oh, okay. But oof, that's you know. That's really stretching it, but that's it. Um, that's very interesting. So the I, the music in this, I think, is kind of what, for me at least, set it apart from one of the major things that set it apart from the other Rob Zombie films. Obviously, there are other major things that did as well, but that's just one of them. Um, it almost felt like it was like a, a Hollywoodized version of an art house film to me, um, it, which is not a very great explanation, but kind of just the vibe I got and which is basically the complete opposite of what I think when I think Rob Zombie. Well, he said in his commentary that if he had the budget, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, he would sit this film in the seventies. Like all you know, his- I was, yeah, I, I felt like, I felt like it, it had that feel to it, even though I knew it wasn't set then it felt like it could have been and could have worked. Yeah, then. If it wasn't for just trying to get like, you know, uh, more uh buildings like more i guess more f- uh, building fronts and cars from the 70s this yeah. could have been a 70s film because they dress like well they're from during a classic rock station right you know they're dressing for the Retro. 70s period you know with their right. with their coats and whatnot mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be hard to imagine the 70s but just he didn't have the budget for it right yeah no absolutely but like it'd be nice it's nice that he didn't put this in the 70s because Every other film is in the fucking 70s, you know? <laughs> Apart from, I guess, Halloween when Halloween. it goes present day. Right. But still, his foot is back in that decade. Yeah. And no, as no, for no, like no. 31, I'm not sure if 31's in the 70s or not. My guess is probably. They, yeah. um, one, of the, uh, one of the things, that was actually one of the things that a little a bit bugged me about this. I don't know any radio station that has three people doing a late night show. That's- that's hilarious. I literally wrote down the same thing. I was like, they have a fun job, but I don't know of any that have three people for a late show. Like that just seemed weird no. to me. 
But yeah, it, it just, I don't know. That bugged me. I, I liked their show. It was, it was a fun show and it was just like 10 o'clock at night. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time at 10 PM, I don't listen to a morning zoo style show. That's why I don't think anybody does a three person show at night because right. I don't want shenanigans and antics. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a talk radio station, which you're not, just give me the one DJ. And plus, there's so many layoffs in radio. There's no way a record station can actually afford a, th- uh, a late night, <laughs> you know, uh, evening circus. It just doesn't make sense. I like the uh, the WIQZ commercial that they made. I thought that was a lot of fun. How we got introduced to the to the trio. I, I liked. Did you and catch it- the uh, Firefly Family reference from the no front desk didn't. lady? No, I missed it. At least I I caught it as that. I don't know. She says, bye, baby, as she's as they're walking out. I was like, oh, baby, I caught it. I caught it. (laughs) There's just the front desk lady at the radio station. Yeah. No, you know what? I, yeah, I didn't catch that. I I didn't make, I didn't put two and two together. I said, like, bye, baby. Like, you know, because they're trying to be 70s still, you know. (laughs) Can we see something? What I, what, what I wish is something to deliver me vinyl in a kick-ass box like that. Yeah, that was really cool. That was a cool-looking box. Mm. Yeah, I did like that. That was pretty cool. You're a vinyl collector, aren't you, Mark? I am, uh, but I never got anything like that before. I have I paid know. a lot of money for packaging because, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if it's something I really want, I will I will do it. I pay. Oh, shit. Speaking of packaging, pardon me. I spent $200 U.S., for a four-disc soundtrack to the Street Fighter II arcade. <laughs> Why, you ask yourselves? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. Was this How recent? I, uh, just shit. This? I, yes, I would say within the last year. Brave right. Wave, they're a company that is remastering arcade uh, soundtracks mm-hmm. on vinyl. And wow. their first release was um, Street Fighter II. And oh. it's four-disc. And it comes in a nice box, and it's got a nice like insert. But I'm like, what am I gonna fucking listen to this? Like, <laughs> can I relax listening to Guile's theme? No. <laughs> but for some reason, this is one of the reasons why I'm back on Twitter. But it, it got off Twitter is because mm-hmm. people are shilling stuff, and it <laughs> it becomes a, an earwig where I'm like, yeah. I need to have this, but I don't need to have this. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, if you check my Instagram, I'm sure I took pictures of it, but it was in the last year. Uh, but yeah, it is lame. Like, I'm never going to listen to this fully in one sitting. Right. You yeah. know, or ever. <laughs> like, let's be honest, you know? Yeah, like, I don't do, I just don't really listen to, like, just instrumental. I just, for whatever reason, I don't really listen to it, ever. See, I, I do like synthwave music. I do like that oh, a lot. No. Like, you know, like the Turbo Kid soundtrack. Okay. Um, And, uh. Matt Berry, you know, he's a UK comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a, a recording artist. You might know him from, oh shit, from um, Snuffbox or from the Mighty Boosh. Or he was the guy in charge of the company in the IT crowd in the last few seasons. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. He has one album called Music for, ah oh, shit, Music for the... People can't sleep. Um, music for the insomniacs. There we go. And it's it's a CD. Okay, so I know. It's only two tracks. They're thirty <laughs> minute tracks, and it's him. It's instrumental, and it's him going through different phases. 
And he seems to have a bit of a Witchfinder General style feel to his music. It's almost like British 60s, 70s, medieval time. Not medieval in sense, but more of like a Hammer film medieval, you know, like Vincent Price medieval. Mm -hmm. Um, So this this album is just two tracks and it starts off synthy. There's like organ music. Then it goes into all different directions. It's really cool. Like if I was a pothead, I would totally, (laughs) I would have a beanbag chair, but I would totally, I'd smoke a doobie. You know, yeah. I would smoke some of the pot and then I would just lay <laughs> back and listen to the music. Oh, see where man. it takes me, you know, smoke up some drugs and just relax. <laughs> but I don't do that because it's illegal. Uh-oh. I listen to my last podcast. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I dig instrumental music. I just don't think, you know, it's cool to have arcade music on vinyl. But is it a necessary thing? No. Right. There's so much vinyl to listen to, you know? And I, <laughs> I spent 200 bucks on that. But it looks pretty in my milk crate. <laughs> and oh, rent. Yeah. So we mentioned that there wasn't much gore in the film, but there was a moment that really grossed me out. And it was when, um, like, the lady, the witch, I guess, uh, licked the newborn. I thought that was just nauseating to me. It was so gross. There's a lot and of nauseating moments, but yeah, that one was, uh, that one kind of put me by surprise. Yeah. Um, the, so this, this is when I made the guess that, that Sherry Moon's character was the baby that was born during the flashback, but that's not the case, right? It was kind of, it was just her lineage, right? Yes. She is the descendant okay. of that family. Right, the Hawthorne family. Yeah, the Hawthorne family. Yeah, so that's why they're going after her is because she's, I guess, the last loving one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has nothing to do with uh, anything else. Just that she's a Hawthorne. I really like the moments where the like the witches appeared in Cherry Moon's house, or her apartment rather, um, Heidi's apartment. Excuse me. Um, the first one, you know, she walks by the bathroom door, and there was the thing there, and that was kind of at the end of Monday. Um, they never seemed to scare me for whatever reason. I never jumped, but I thought they were really well done. I really liked those moments. Um, especially like later on when she meets the girls down, she sees the girls downstairs and then she's like, I gotta go up and feed the dog. She walks up, turns the light on. There's that thing just in the top corner, just chilling. And she just never happens to look up there. I thought that was really cool. I just, I really liked that part of it. I I liked how it looked. I thought it was very creepy. Um, yeah. and there, there are no, um, oops, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's probably one of my favorite s- scenes in the film. Yeah. Because it's unexpected and it just looked cool. And like the, cl- the, you know, the clay faces you see later on, which I yeah. just find boring, but I thought, you know, Mick Foster in like not a human form yet looked pretty badass. Yeah. I did like, I like the, the um, faceless. Uh, I did like the, uh, that was one of the things I liked about it. It was very atmospheric. And he actually like put a lot of thought into the shots. Yeah, just the way things were set up, it felt very Kubrick. Uh, is the best way I can put it. It felt like you know, like two thousand one or The Shining, just the way he composed shots. Um, but yeah, it, I didn't find it scary, but it it was creepy. It yeah, definitely had that thing going. Yeah, unsettling. Yes, definitely. Um, I, one of my favorite kind of. I don't know, scares in any horror film. Um, I believe it was the original uh, Juan, The Grudge. Yeah. 
It may have been the sequel though, but I know it was the Japanese version of it. Um, and it's something that you wouldn't, if you, you could miss it. And the director was fine with it being so subtle that you could miss it. But I happen to see it. And I think that that's the coolest thing. And just like the scariest thing to me, there was something with like the blue boy in, in, in the window that was only there for like, I don't know, maybe one second. If you weren't looking, you chances are you were going to miss it. And I love stuff like that. Like something that's so subtle that if you, for whatever reason, you could miss it. And the director's fine with that. Um, this wasn't as big as that, but another moment that reminded me of that was when um, she walks out. I think she was like, she woke up from a nightmare or something and the camera kind of has the door in the picture and the very like far left of the frame. And you can see the doors open, but then the camera moves a little bit. So the door's not in the shot anymore and goes back and the door's closed. And it's something that it, it's not quite as subtle as what I'm talking about from uh, Juan, but it was almost as subtle. And I really love that. I love subtle things like that. I thought it's just really, really well done. What did you guys think of the character of Francis, which is uh, played by, um, what's his name? Bruce Davidson. Yes, Bruce yes. Davidson. He is my favorite character in the film. Okay. He's is usually that, one he, of my favorite. He's Matthias, right? Yes. Matthias, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was fantastic. He was, br- yeah. He, yeah, he nailed that. Absolutely, that great. And he's a character actor that you might not know his name, but you've seen him in everything. And he's usually the best part in most films. Um, yeah, I really dug him in this in this role. Um, you you could see him actually like legit live that way, you know, in an artsy world, you know, laid back, works part time at the museum. Like I, I thought the role fit him perfectly, and I think. Zombie actually wrote that role for him. Uh, I could be wrong, but I thought I read that somewhere. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It it is funny, though. There's one scene in the movie when he goes to the colleague, I guess, to discuss the work. I I love that scene. Yeah. But it's funny. If you look at his face, he had actually gone to uh, film something else. And that was a reshoot. So you'll notice that the hair and the beard doesn't match because it's a wig. And it's oh. a really bad wig as well. Like <laughs> this, the scene itself where he's talking with the other colleague, he looks like he's got a white mullet because his hair's really short on the sides and it's long in the back. It looks horrible. Um, but uh, yeah, no, and, and it's funny that scene too. Um, I'm not sure if you guys listen to the commentary for this film. No, but I, that scene specifically because I guess the 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 prop warehouse or the prop office they uh, got all their props from. Back or uh, the office itself, I guess, was used in many scenes. Uh, like he was, uh, that place was uh, an apartment. It was that office where he had the meeting with a colleague, and it was just a corner of the warehouse, and it was so small that they actually sit on the same side of the desk. They just reversed the items on the desk to go to the <laughs> back and forth because all they had was a little like tiny corner to, to film that scene oh wow yeah so if you look they're actually sitting on the same side of the desk with just some items are uh are inverted for uh for perspective that's awesome yeah huh. the magic of filmmaking well, i i did see that uh one of the actors he had passed away before while they were still filming yes um, and that's why they had to do the reese yeah that's richard lynch he played the i would say what the maybe the principal no, he was the um, the um, the supervisor at the insane asylum in Halloween one. 
uh, when Michael disappears. You know, you had. Um, you had no, I the, think you're right. I thought he was the principal. Was it the principal? Yeah. Who, who was, you know, so then you had Ron Howard's brother and there was one more character in uh, in Halloween 1. No, he was the principal. He, he was, was the principal. principal. Okay, I was right yeah, the first time. Principal in Halloween, yeah. There you go. Oh, it's Udo Kerr I was thinking about. Okay, Udo Kerr was above Clint Howard at the asylum. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, Richard Lynch passed away during filming, so they had to reshoot the beginning of the movie uh, because I guess the guy writing in a journal and narrating. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, that was Richard's original role, but since he oh. passed during production, they had to refilm all the scenes. Yeah, I was wondering who he played because I saw his his credit and I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't recognize him in the film. Yeah, yeah, it's too sense. bad. Yeah, he yeah. was. It, they actually like he couldn't read. Uh, he was mostly blind oh, uh, wow. at that point in the film when they were, and he couldn't read. Like they they originally were going to give him the lines on the cards, and he couldn't read the cards. And yeah. oh, I didn't know that. That's it's cool. it's interesting that they cast him if it was, if it was so medically, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, disabled. I guess. Uh, one thing you mentioned earlier, Mark, that I was going to chime in on, and then I forgot. Yes. Um, but the uh, the filming locations, um, this yes. was filmed in Massachusetts. And as someone who's never been to really that part of the country, like I've been to New York multiple times, but never to the Boston area. It just it felt to me what I would like what I would see if I went to the area. And then I realized afterwards that it was in fact filmed on location. But I thought the filming locations were excellent and a special nod to the theater that they used at the very end of the film, which I thought was Oh just my God, beautiful. that was gorgeous. And the cinematography in that theater, oh my God, give me a break. It's about as good as it gets, man. I love that. The lighting, the everything about it was so great. I, I will say this is probably the best shot film zombies done so far. Oh, yeah. And I think they get better as they go. Like Halloween 2, I thought was excellently shot. Yeah, uh, the cinematography is great in that. And I think it's even better here. Yeah, it, it's funny. He had such little money for this production. Yeah. But he really maximized his production yeah. dollars. Yeah, no doubt. Like in the scenes where they're at Heidi's apartment, mm -hmm. um, I guess they were so – they're working on the, the sets uh, just before the shooting started that most of the paint usually was wet. Oh wow! So, like they couldn't touch the banisters, and apparently uh, the banister looked too new after they had uh, worked on the scene itself. That uh, zombie actually took sandpaper and sanded down the banisters to give it more of that used, uh, hmm. you know, lived-in feel to it. Right. But yeah, like yeah. all the wallpaper they had was all stencils. That's what uh, I was talking about that because the the texture that he's able to to get in the scenes in the hallway mm -hmm. are phenomenal. I love that the the wallpaper the the stencils I guess um, yeah. it just adds so much to the atmosphere of all those scenes in the hallway and I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, those production designers really uh, worked their asses off to make the film look really good. Definitely, I think the the one shot that that I absolutely love uh, it comes later. It's when she's having her hallucinations in the theater. I think. Yes. Uh, and she's on her bed, but it's it's like this light cube. And it's supposed to be like her bedroom because like they've got the man in the moon behind her. Right. And, and everything. And there's the red sheets coming off of the bed and they trail toward the camera, but they have them lined out like blood trails. And I don't know that, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that shot was fantastic. Love that one. I was just like, wow. Yeah, especially toward the end. There's a lot of like really memorable, really great shots. Um, my only problem with a lot of them at the end there was that they just, they seemed to be beautiful shots for the sake of having beautiful shots. It didn't really drive the plot forward for me. Yeah, which, I agree with that. 
I think is essential. And uh, so that is the, the I love the shots, but I wanted them to have more meaning behind them, I guess. Like yeah, he like, went a little too Kubrick with this. Like Kubrick yeah. would do that all the time. Yeah. And it's like the like, priests it's... masturbating with their fake penis. That just <laughs> that shot gets me every time. Like I, it was a badass shot, but it's like I'm not sure the point. It was so peculiar for me as well. Like that <laughs> that specific shot. I'm like I'm watching. I'm like that just looks wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? It yeah. just looks so wrong. Um, not as wrong as the church scene. <laughs> oh yeah, that threw that fucked with my mind, which is what it was supposed to do. I think. That's and, exactly. Uh, oh, I, I oh, really she's talking to the pastor. Oh my yeah. god! How fucking creepy slash awesome like, was that? Yeah, that was that was a great scene because it like it had it it worked on me. I was like, why is this? What is happening? And then I was like, oh, okay, she was dreaming again, having a nightmare. And I was like, oh my god, like this is crazy. And again, the production designers had to build the church set because wow. no church would let them rec- would let them record <laughs> because of the script, right? Obviously, oh, man. but uh, yeah, no that uh, that scene really uh, it was not enough. Like I wasn't expecting that at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so this is interesting. So right. yeah, yeah. Again, unsettling. Not scary, yes. but it unsettled me. Yep, exactly right. I love seeing uh, D. Wallace in this. I thought she was fantastic here. I didn't. Oh, I disagree completely. She, yeah, I, I thought she was good, but she wasn't given much to do. That was no. my only complaint. And that's what amazed me. Like when she's in the, the palm reading scene, I guess I'll call it. Yeah. Like she, the way her reactions to everything that's going on around her, she's not saying a word, but it's just like, she's so clearly in the moment and at this palm reading. And it's just like, you can tell that she's been in this position before is what I felt like at this point before I understood what was really happening. And uh, I thought she was so uncomfortable about the whole thing. I thought it was played just perfectly. See, to me, it felt kind of over, I wouldn't say overacted, but just it didn't feel genuine to me because at first, at first she starts off and she's like, you know, like in a way, almost like a wide eyed, you know, happy, like overly, you know, cheerful. I'm like, this just doesn't ring true to me. And then when she goes all evil, she was drunk. I, again, it. I, I know, but even when they go to give, uh, when they go to Heidi's room, uh, Heidi's apartment, and like offer cookies, she's got that huge grin on her face. It just, it just feels false. Which, well, it is. I guess it is false. But it yeah. just, it just seemed too over. For me, I just, I don't know, I just didn't like her in that role. I okay. thought that, um, I thought that Judy Geeson, who plays Lacey, yeah. was good. And I loved um, uh, Patricia Quinn. I thought she was fantastic. Is that the dark-haired one that did the palm reading? Yes. Or was that the landlord? The, and, okay. and she's from like Rock Her Picture Show, right? Um, yeah, I, I just, it's it's just D, which I personally, I didn't like the casting for that hmm. character. It just seemed... I don't know. I can't really put a, a finger on it, but I, I, I just didn't like it. That's interesting. I guess we'll just uh, have to have to agree to disagree on that one because that oh, I, yeah. I liked her in that. Yeah, you're still gonna get a Christmas gift. It's all good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, any any idea what the movies were that they were playing in the background on, on the television sets? Uh, you know what? Zombie mentioned it during his uh, podcast or during his um, commentary. I didn't yeah. write them down, but okay, they're. Yeah, they're the free to market ones, you know, the ones that are uh, that domain. are 
Yeah, yeah I was just really – that first one was what caught my interest. I just wondered what the hell it was because I thought it was really interesting. Uh, the, the characters are wearing masks, um, obviously intentionally chosen for that. Uh, I think really one was Captain Keen, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Uh, just because it, it, it made me think of Commander Keen because of the old uh, computer video game. <laughs> right. That's the only like how I remembered it. But yeah, I think one of them is Captain Keen. Interesting. I think I'll it's a pirate it one that makes okay. sense. Yeah. So she walks at one point, she walks into room number five and you get this really cool shot of like the neon cross, the red neon cross. Yes. And I thought it was just a, another gorgeous shot. And then like fucking like Sasquatch showed up. What the yes. fuck was that? What was uh, that supposed to be? Satan or what was well, that? I people think it's Satan, but I guess it's just a demon. And then oh. Zombie actually said in his in his uh, commentary that that was not Satan, just one of his minions. But because it looked a lot like the Satan-y character that you see later on, people assume that it was Satan. Hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. What the hell am I watching now? <laughs> but the I loved the. They have like that slow dolly shot pushing in as she exits the room. I thought it was just fucking great. And then you kind of turn to her point of view and she's actually looking at the the witch, uh, Meg Foster, at that point. I thought that was just a, another awesome shot that Zombie was able to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful shots in this film. The cinematography is fantastic. Um, I just find it it's, – it's very, you know uh, – I find in this movie, he doesn't give you a lot that you kind of have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. When it comes to the imagery and like, what does it actually mean? Like it does, it doesn't really explain very, very much, you know? Um, so there's a lot of like introspective and reflective thinking that's done after the film. Just try to piece all the pieces together. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a, it's definitely a slow burn. Uh, it's a, definitely a slower film Yeah, and there are slower scenes, but I was so, I was into the story enough that I it didn't feel slow to me. It didn't feel like I was uh I was being impatient. You know what I mean? Like I enjoyed what I was watching as I was going through it. Some of those scenes that I'm talking about. Like one was specifically when I wrote that down was when Francis uh visited the other author and had that scene with him. I mean it's a slow scene, but the story that's being told there is is fascinating to me. And so that's why I was really enjoying it at that point. Yeah. So you didn't like the I call them like the faceless Th- nurses, faceless people. You, the the, the clay face. You they're the putties. Like those. They're the uh, Power Ranger putties. That's pretty much what. I <laughs> um, well. No, I didn't. You know, for for everything being so craft, crafted nicely, and the shots were beautiful. I found though them being really blah. Hmm. You know, um, kind of disappointed by that. Uh, but maybe that's on purpose because they're serving. Uh, their master is Satan and he is most beautiful. Like, I, I don't know. But I just yeah. thought it was very blasé. Maybe they ran out of money. Who knows? Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. I, th- I thought most of the time they worked really well for me. Uh, I thought they were creepy as hell, which was the intended. What about you, Ash? What did, how did you feel about the faceless clay people? I mean, they were disturbing. And I, I don't know. We didn't get a lot of screen time with them. Mm-hmm. So I, nah, I don't care either way, really. Yeah. I loved the the moment after you kind of see the first faceless nurses um, and then she wakes up and she's in the bathroom and you have like that uh, that picture behind her of like the faceless men holding the guns. Uh, it's like that drawing and then like the artwork starts bleeding. I thought that was a really cool shot and I really like that artwork that was in the bathroom there. Any ideas why she's trying to learn French? 
I think it's because. Sorry. Any ideas why she's trying to learn French? I think it's because she's a former addict and she's trying to work on herself. So she's trying to learn a new language. I think it's a cope mechanism just to not use drugs. And then when she. And then Zombie talks about this when she's on the heroin. Yeah. And she's uh, still trying to learn the French. It just shows that in her mind, she's still okay. Yeah. But in real life, she's a complete mess. That's interesting. I like that. That's so, cool. Yeah. So to me, it's just, you know, it's a way to keep her mind occupied so she doesn't think about using again. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that good. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Plus, it's a beautiful language. Yeah, I know. I was hoping you'd be able to translate some of that. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't anything like, uh, it's just, you know, uh, hail Satan. Satan is the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's you learn that in grade three, right? Obviously, yeah. Um, so another kind of strange moment to me was that like giant fetus thing that bugged me. I was just was like, it, it's supposed to be creepy, and it just looked dumb. I like, yeah, in a, I, I, in a you know, if they'd actually showed Rosemary's baby in the movie, kind of way, dumb. <laughs> right? Yeah. What did you think um, of the giant fetus? I thought it was unsettling. Is is okay. that the one that she gives birth at the end? Is that what we're talking about? No. Um, earlier on when she's um, like the the three girls have her and they kind of they like leave her for room five and she goes in and walks in real slow. And then this fetus, giant fetus looking thing shows up. Oh, to be honest. Oh, oh with, with the flappy arms. Yes. Yeah. It looks like a midget in the co- I mean, a, a yeah. little person. In a, yeah. Um, yeah. That looks weird to me. I know that was I, that was a weird moment. Yeah, and that is one you know I guess that's one shot of the budget looking like it is. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it just why there was no need for that. Yeah, you exactly. I, I think I'd rather have it out of the shot or out of the film than to have something that looks kind of hokey like that. It kind of brings yeah. it kind of back down like okay, this is a horror movie. It isn't an art house film, you know, because everything right. is so well done that when you when you get to that, it just it just looks fake. Yeah. Yeah, which is too bad. And that moment, like I was talking about how it was a slow film, you know, and I like that about it, but this was almost too slow, even in this slow burn of a film. Because they get her, they leave her, she walks in as slow as can be, this whole thing happens and she finally comes out. It was just like, wow, that was that was a long scene that could have been cut in at least half, and I feel like still had the same effect. So that one was when I started feeling the length of it a little bit, I guess I'd say. Yeah. I really loved the phone call between Heidi and Whitey. I thought that was just really well acted. It was just dripping with emotion. And I thought both of them handled it so perfectly. And and that's the thing, you know, like in this movie, Zombie talks about how like the romantic subplot Mm kind of gets left to the side. Yeah. Like what's what's left in the film is, you know, that either something was there Mm -hmm. or something wants to be there. And... You don't see too too much about it, so this scene kind of ties in, you know, where the relationship wants to go at this point. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's a, it's a beautiful shot as well, and it's kind of heartbreaking too because you, you like Whitey; oh, he's yeah, done absolutely. nothing wrong, you know, and you kind of want him to be happy because he seems like a guy that is a good guy, mm-hmm. you know. So it's yeah, it just kind of tugs a bit at your heartstrings for a zombie film that doesn't happen too often, right? No, absolutely. And I I like that about their relationship that we don't – it doesn't spell it out for us. I really like that about it because it just leaves it um, 
up to our imagination, I guess. And it, it is whatever we want it to be. And I yeah. think that's a strength of that. Yeah, I think that was actually pretty smart. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes it that part of that a little more interesting. Right, exactly. Um, I loved when Francis went in for tea. Just how he played that was just so well acted. I mean, he's so uncomfortable that when D. Wallace's character walks up and just taps him on the shoulder, he physically jumps. <laughs> I laughed a lot at that point. I thought that was hilarious. Obviously, I knew him walking in there something negative was going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But I was still taken uh, taken aback when he got hit in the head with the frying pan. Oh, of course. And you know, you don't want that to happen. Like, no. He, he the is character. the hero of the film, you know? Mm-hmm. And they right. dispatched like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, he's trying to play, like, he has no clue what he's walking into. Exactly. And I think he plays it pretty cool, you know? He knows something is, is afoot, but can't really... You know, he doesn't realize what's going on until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really too bad when he when he passes, right? And, and it's it so made, violent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's and something it makes, painful. Yeah, Sorry, go it ahead. makes when Whitey goes in even uh, more tense for me because I thought he would have the same fate, and I didn't want Whitey to die either. So, so is it your assumption that when Heidi gives birth? To this lobster thing, yeah, is this like Satan's spawn or what? What is this? What do you me, think this is? To me, that's the Antichrist. That's it, you know, she was inseminated by Satan, and that is their child. She is the, now the mother of Doctor Satan. Ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, he, uh, that's to me. That's the, the Antichrist. Okay. Yeah, that, that was weird. Like a. It was strange to me because, like, at what point does she get impregnated? I, I don't even know. <sighs> it's those damn cookies. Remember <laughs> <laughs> here, but cookie, cookie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was that night with the ba- the giant baby, the giant fetus, because the oh, day yeah, that- ends with him standing out ne- like next to her bed, staring at her. Um. Well, obviously she's in trans. Okay, well, okay. So when she's staring at the uh, red inverted cross, right? Mm-hmm. She's there for a long time. She's giving herself in a way to Satan. Like her arms yeah. are in the air for who knows how long. There is uh, again that kind of doesn't make sense because Rami Zombie says that's not Satan, but there is a beast in the room. Right? What did that beast do? Mm-hmm. Was he a vessel for Satan's you know jizz? I, I, I don't. I don't know. That's weird. Well, uh, my wife pointed out. Um, Jesus was a virgin birth. I mean, obviously she's not a virgin, but who's to say that they need to do anything to actually impregnate her anyway? Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Mm. Yeah, this, so the end of this, it just is so, I don't know, it just, it's so weird to me. It's so strange. It's just overwhelming with the shots, which are really good, but wow, what's the point? Uh, another one like uh, Heidi standing on top of this mountain of of dead naked women. Um, yeah. Again, I understand why you know what I, I like the shot, but what's the point? Like it's a powerful shot, but well, well I, I think it's showing that she is the like you know she's the mother of the anti Jesus. Okay, you know she's by his side. She's ascended to his level. Um, she's you know. The queen, I guess. You know, if Satan's a king, she's the queen, and their antichrist maybe is the prince. Hmm. So it, it puts her in a regal light, but yeah. evil regal light <laughs> upon a 
mound of dead women, you know. So their sacrifice brought Satan into this world where they will rule and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. The, that's the, what I The news story, like the at the end during the credits, it tells us that 32 women committed mass suicide. They were all descendants of the original Salem village and that Heidi's missing with no trace. Strange. I don't know. Strange ending. I guess it it works because it's all building to something like this but yeah. it's kind of a it's a bit more psychedelic if i want if i am allowed to use that term to describe it um than yeah, i expected i think it to that be. works yeah so what other thoughts what other final thoughts do you have on this one ash and your uh, your star rating um it's beautifully shot i mean some of the scenes really worked but and I like a slow burn as much as the next person, but it is incredibly, incredibly dull. When there's not much going on, I was bored to tears. It was just, it was just like, okay, come on. It's like, come on, we can keep going. Um, but I, they, they did some neat things with lighting, uh, the good music choices. Sherry Moon Zombie is actually pretty good in this. Uh, you know, Bruce Davison's in the, is great in this. Um, and they kind of did something interesting with the witches, but I mean, it's it's the same base. It's basically like Rosemary's Baby on you know meets The Shining type of thing. It, it just that's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I didn't hate it. But I didn't think it was great. Uh, I give it a two and a half out of four. All right. What about you, Mark? Um, so when I rewatched this film for listening to the, uh, my buddy's podcast. I okay. Well, first of all, originally watching it, I liked it up until the end. Then watching it recently, I realized I really did not like it. But then watching it again with commentary for this podcast, I think I was a little too harsh. So I had given it one and a half. Um, now I'd bump it up to two and a half stars. So I'd give it two out of four for our rating purposes. Okay. Um, really, the the only, it's a little abstract. The only thing that really bugged me is D. Wallace's casting. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm just I'm, I'm kind of just sharing Moon Zombie doubt. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'd give it three stars if I gave this a little more time from our arc, but yeah. just in my headspace right now, it, it's a pass. Um, it's better than some of his work, but by far, I think his best work was Halloween Two. Um, yeah, so it gets a pass for me. It, two out of four. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, this this wasn't what I was expecting at all. Um, it felt almost nothing like a Rob Zombie film to me. And I thought that was the strangest thing about it. I love that it was a slow burn with a with little gore, but I'm used to watching faster paced flicks with like a high body count and lots of blood whenever I put in a Rob Zombie film. But that said, I liked where Zombie went with this. It was It was more of a character study of Heidi than anything else. But it worked really well. Um, the problem is that the story is just really strange. It's strange as hell. And I'm not entirely sure I understood that aspect of the film in its as, as well as I was supposed to. But much like his previous work, uh, the cinematography was stellar, um, better than even what we've seen in Hall- Halloween 2, I'd argue. And there's some just really beautiful, really memorable shots, even if they are there just to be beautiful and do little to add to the story. Um, this is... By far my favorite performance from Sherry Moon Zombie. And I liked her in her other performances. Um, And so, you know, 
even that said, I thought this was definitely her best work. She plays a deeper character here than we've ever seen her play in the past. And she brings us this sense of, of gravitas to the role that I didn't know she was capable of. So I was really impressed. The supporting cast is about as, as good as it gets. And I love seeing D Wallace and Ken Forey show up whenever they show up. Um, so though the Lords of Salem doesn't really feel like a Rob Zombie film to me, it's still a solid piece of work. And it's one of the more interesting outings in his uh, directorial arc. So I'm going to give this one three out of four stars. Sounds good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited as hell to watch 31, even though I've heard some negative things about it. Um, I am definitely a fan of his, his work. And so I'm anxious to finally get that, uh, that VOD release, which we will talk about in two weeks time on that podcast. But before we sign off for today, let's move on to the besting the backlog challenge. This is round two. So remember we are uh, basically, this is a challenge to try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So we each take a look at the other's unwatched pile, whether it's their Netflix queue, their home video collection, whatever the case is, and we pick a film that the other hasn't seen and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast, where then they will give a quick review of the film. So just to uh, remind everyone what we're talking about this week. So Ash, you picked Annabelle for Mark to watch. Mark picked We Are Still Here for me to watch, and I picked Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for Ash to watch. So let's start right at the top. Mark. Yes. What is Annabelle about? Well, Annabelle is the backstory of the Annabelle doll from the Conjuring films. Okay. It pretty much uh, explains how the uh, doll gets into the possession of the nurses at the beginning of uh, The Conjuring. And uh, how it ends up in the House of the Warrens at the end. Okay, so why did you uh, add this to your backlog? Oh uh, well, it's a mo- it's a Blu-ray that I own that I had not seen yet. Um, I'm a big fan of the Conjuring films. Um, I guess at the time of uh, buying this of the first movie, um, so yeah, I wanted to know more about the doll because the doll is creepy, and you get a good amount of it in the first film. Um, but it isn't fleshed out. So this pretty much fleshes out how the doll became to be. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, and, uh, oh, go ahead. yeah. Oh, yes. So did I like this? You're going to ask me. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. I did like it more than I thought I would. Okay, um, I tried watching it a while back, but fell asleep. Um, and then we'll cut during part of the film and, uh, I'm like, ah, you know what? This is going on the back burner. I'm not considering this a watch movie. So then when I rewatched it for this challenge, uh, or watch it, when I watched it in full for this challenge, um, the parts that I did miss while sleeping were really vital to the story and changed <laughs> my perspe- perspective of the film itself. So actually, I like this a lot more than I thought I would, but I did find the scares in this movie felt more in line with the insidious movies than the Conjuring films. Oh, oh I think some... I like that because I love the movies. And the Conjuring I thought was good. Yeah, I just found there's some maybe some jumpier scares that just seems more in line with Insidious. But it is still a Conjuring universe. Um, it just seemed not exactly in line with two other films. Okay. So Very would good. I recommend so... this? Good question. Um, yes, if you're a fan of the Conjuring movies, then you will be a fa- you will enjoy this one. Awesome. And do you think you'll think you'll watch this one again? Probably. I think okay. so. Um, you know, I've watched The Conjuring a few times. 
I'd probably rewatch this one as well. So I would say that's a pretty good chance that I would. Awesome. So it's a, a worthy addition to your home video collection, in other words, right? I could have done a lot worse. Absolutely. All right. So, Mark, you had me watch. Mm-hmm. We are still here. Yes. So this one, um, this was basically this this couple moves from the city to the country into this house because uh, their their son uh, died in an accident. And when they get to the house, it turns out that the former occupants are still there, hence the title of the film. And uh, I don't want to give away virtually anything because I think that would spoil it. And so I'm going to stop there uh, with the the synopsis of it. But I added this one to my collection because I'd heard a lot of good things about it. And uh, the week it came out, I think it was on sale for like 10 bucks on Blu-ray at Best Buy. So I uh, I definitely had to pick it up. And Mark, you've actually talked about this one in the past and how much you liked it, right? Yes. yes. So I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, you know, and um, I really liked it. It is, it is great. Um, the, the scares, like I was watching this one by myself. It's the middle of the day, but in the basement, I have like my windows blacked out for the theater uh, feel, and uh, it was, it creeped the shit out of me. I jumped on more than one occasion. Um, it was definitely a scary film in that sense, and it, uh, it takes. Uh, kind of um, a, a route that I didn't expect at different points, which trying to, I don't want to spoil anything with it, um, but it's not what I thought it was going to be, which is a good thing. It really starts off feeling like like an amitable horror type film mm-hmm. um, and just kind of, it stays that way, but there are some different, definite unique things about it. Um, the cast I thought was, was pretty good. Um, Barbara, uh, Crampton was excellent in the lead. The male lead, not as strong, but still solid. Um, and then, um, what's his name? Uh, Larry Fessenden, I thought was just excellent. Him and uh, Lisa Marie were both excellent in their roles. Uh, so, I mean, if you are a horror fan, you're a fan of the uh, ghost stories type thing, things like that, and you enjoy being scared, you definitely need to see this film. It is an absolute worthwhile film. Uh, and I am very glad that you recommended this one to me. So You're welcome. I definitely recommend it. And uh, I, I definitely will watch it again, I imagine, Nutra. So that was a, a great pick. I'm, I'm going to give in that one uh, three and a half out of four stars. I forgot to ask, what are you giving the uh, Annabelle? Oh, well, okay. It's not a masterpiece. Um, mm-hmm. I, oh. Probably two and a half. Okay. Kind of out of four, for sure. All right. And last but not least, I picked um, for Ash this week. So, Ash, you watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So, go ahead and talk about that one a little bit. All right. So, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind uh, stars Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Um, and uh, it's about uh, Jim Carrey's character after learning that his ex-girlfriend had an experimental medical procedure to- purge all memories of him uh he decides to do the same with her um but as it's happening he realizes he didn't want that after all and tries to stop it from happening while it's happening um it's it's interesting uh i would say it's definitely imaginative um it's kind of a romance uh kind of a comedy definitely a dark comedy i would go with that (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's what it's about. Um, would I recommend it? Uh, absolutely. Um, it's a little sad. Um, uh, it gets you thinking though. 
Um, and it's it's well shot. It's well done. Uh, the visual effects, the way they, the way they dealt with the memories and them fading and him visiting them and everything else was fantastic. Um, there's a lot of laughs doing it. Um, uh, and I mean, it's written by the same person who did being John Malkovich. So that gives you an idea of what it's kind of like, uh, that way. Um, let's see, I, I actually rated it, uh, I'd give it four out of four. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, both Winslet and Carrie are absolutely awesome in this. Uh, Kirsten Dunst isn't too bad. Um, Mark Ruffalo was in it, which I was surprised. He looks really young in that. Um, and then, uh, uh, oh God, what was his name? Uh, the other guy, um, uh, Topher Grace. No, um, Elijah Wood. Elijah oh my Wood, God, he is such an he's such a scumbag. Oh my God, he's he's such a great scumbag too. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so then all the actors put in great performances, and that I loved it. Uh, okay, so that's three. What were the other two? Um, why did you add it to your backlog? Oh, uh, add it to my backlog because I'd seen the trailers way, way, way back when when it came out in two thousand and four, and we just never went and saw it. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I need to see this. Uh, so I added it to my queue because I, I saw it on the list and then just forgot about it. Cool. And then are you, will you watch this one again? Uh, I would absolutely watch this one again. Yeah. So Awesome. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine is without a doubt one of my favorite films I've ever seen. It is uh, just a masterpiece in my eyes. Um, the first time I saw it was just... I had to watch it again. I think I watched it like three or four times just in the first week after I'd watched it the first time. Uh, I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I have the script. I've read the script. Um, I mean, it's just, it's one of those films that hit me right where it mattered and uh, definitely one that I think everyone should check out. I'm such a sucker for comedic actors playing straight roles. And uh, I think uh, Jim Carrey is just wonderful in this film. So. Have you seen this one, Mark? No, I haven't. I own it. Okay. I have not seen it yet. Oh, you need to watch it. Great. Yeah, definitely watch it. I don't awesome. think so. so <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for next podcast, which we actually have a couple weeks now, no. the natural progression of things here, Ash, pick for yourself. Mark, pick for yourself. And I'm going to pick for myself. So looking through your backlog, what is a film that you want to watch for the next podcast. I'll go first just because I knew I what I was going to do and so I have a little uh, time to think about it. So what I am going to watch for the next podcast and the best in the backlog challenge is uh, I recently bought it on Blu-ray from Arrow Video. They had a sale going on mm -hmm. and I picked up uh, Contamination, it's called. It's a alien knockoff essentially okay. from the I got early 80s, I guess, or mid 80s, whenever the hell it was from. And so I will be watching Contamination on Blu-ray, which I'm excited to see. So who's next? Who's ready to talk about what they want to watch for the next podcast? I'll go next. Perfect. A box set that I bought a long time ago at Cinema Wasteland. Um, a Tim Thomerson classic. I'm going to go with the original Transfers. Oh, Okay. You know, I own that and I've never seen yeah, that. Yeah, I've got all six. <laughs> I've seen zero out of six. So Yeah, I just I only the first one came out on Blu-ray, and so I picked that up. Yeah, mine are all on DVD in a beautiful box set, collecting a one to five, and then six was a separate one. 
Um, but yeah, I've uh, I've always wanted to watch it. I heard they're fun, so I'm gonna go with Transfers One. Transfers. So I'm going with an alien knockoff. You're going with a RoboCop knockoff, I believe, or Terminator. I guess it could be Terminator or RoboCop. You'll have I have no idea. I actually know nothing about it. <laughs> so I'm curious. All right. And what about you, Ash? What are you going to watch for the next podcast? Some of these movies, I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'm going old school, one that I hadn't seen, but I've seen bits and pieces over the years. I'm going with uh, The Saint from 1997. All right. Ooh. Another one I have not seen, so I'll be anxious to hear all about it. The last good Val Kilmer movie. <laughs> awesome. All right. So just to recap, I am watching Contamination for the next podcast. Mark is watching Trancers, and Ash is watching The Saint from our unwatched piles. So enjoy those picks, gentlemen. All right, so that is going to be that for this week's show. Next week, we're going to wrap up our Rob Zombie retrospective. And I keep saying next week because it's habit. I don't mean next week. I mean next podcast, which will actually drop in two weeks' time. So keep that in mind. But anyway, on that podcast, we are going to wrap up our Rob Zombie retrospective arc with a review of the recently released 31, which you can find on Video On Demand starting September 16th, so a week after this podcast goes live. So make sure you check that out if you'd like to follow along with our podcast. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play, or wherever else it is that you might be listening to the podcast. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, and that is always the goal. So we appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review. All right, Mark, Ash, thank you guys for joining me again this week. Hopefully you had some fun. Oh, of course. I hope I didn't sound too uh, stupid in this one because, boy, I feel stupid. <laughs> you should not feel stupid at all. You sounded just fine. Well, the thing is, there's Mark, a bit of blood loss from my earlier haircut, which is <laughs> on the underside, so I didn't notice it right off the bat. So I'm feeling kind of yeah. kind of faint. You've just been fading. Kind of. Well, I'm, I'm You're fading, Mark. You're fading. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm going to call a 9 11. Oh. <laughs> all right so i want to thank everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time